This is the Lead to Lead podcast, where we explore the realm of leadership and glean from those who have come before us. Here's your tour guide and host, Leah Haygood. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of Lead to Lead. Uh, I am super overwhelmed by the response that I've gotten so far from the very first episode. So I want to give you guys, as my listeners, a huge shout out. I want to give you a couple stats. I challenged all of you who listened to the first episode to go and follow um, our Instagram page, which is Lead to Lead Pod. Just in case you're new to the Lead to Lead podcast, check it out. Um, and so far, I've had 37 people like the Instagram account, which is awesome. It's been over the course of a week uh, at the time of this recording, obviously. You re- you guys really like Spotify because it seems like Spotify is the biggest link that uh, people have been listening to this. But so far, I've had 34 downloads of the first episode, which like I don't even know what to expect from all this, but I'm super pumped that that was even a thing. Um, I didn't tell you guys last week, but um, I have uh, the Lead to Lead podcast has a Facebook page as well. Um, I went a little crazy and started inviting people, but Facebook page, hello, has 78 people following it, which is amazing. So you can find us on Instagram, Spotify, and Facebook, okay? And I am super pumped uh, about the response I've gotten so far. I've gotten some feedback um, in person from people that I know um, around town, and uh, I've been super thrilled, and I'm so excited to continue to create some more content for you. So... I still need your help, though. Uh, I still want you to share this podcast with a friend. If you think you can, um, you have a friend or know of somebody that um, could benefit from uh, healthy discussion, uh, a biblical worldview of what leadership looks like, share the episode with them. Uh, it's really easy to share it through Spotify or uh, tag them in a post. Um, but I'm super pumped. Uh, of just the response. I'm a little giddy, not going to lie. I've been telling my husband like, Oh, I got a few more likes. It's kind of like really childish when you think about it, but uh, I'm just super thankful for the response. Um, I also want to check in with you to see how your challenge of the month is going, which was you need to set up a meeting with a mentor. I set up a meeting with a mentor, with my mentor. Uh, let's see, this was probably two, three weeks ago. And it was super refreshing. Um, not that your whole goal to set up a meeting with a mentor is to kind of word vomit all your struggles on them, um, but there's a healthy balance to doing that. And I know that with the meeting with my mentor, we met at Starbucks, and it was so refreshing just to be able to talk to somebody and not feel the pressure of like, oh, is what I'm saying really just kind of blah? She just gave me the space that I needed to kind of talk about what was going on, all the good, the bad, and indifferent. Um, And she kind of gave me some clarity and some vision of where I need to go just in life in general when it comes to my family and my role in the home and that sort of thing. So it was super encouraging. So let me know how it's going with uh, setting up a meeting with your mentor. I'd love to hear about it. Feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram or Facebook or comment on the post with the challenge of the month. I'd love to hear more about it and, and see how it's going. And I hope that this, like I said, I hope that this will cultivate a, a discussion and allow us to kind of interact with each other and to encourage one another. So hope it's going well. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. 
I told you last week, or last episode, excuse me, not last week. I told you last episode that we're going to be talking about procrastination. And it's kind of a heavy hitter for me, at least, because I am probably the biggest procrastinator that I know, and I drive my husband crazy, which also, shout out, my husband is the guy that does the little voiceover in the beginning. I kind of had to twist his arm to do it, but didn't he sound so good? Give JK a good round of applause. Yay. So, uh, but yeah, he can definitely attest to this. He is Mr. On Time, like if you're not five minutes early, five to 10 minutes early, you're late. And I'm like, ah, we got five minutes. It's extra. And you know, I'm, I'm late to certain things. I wait until the last minute. As a matter of fact, I waited a while before I made this uh, podcast. So this podcast episode is an example of what procrastination looks like. So uh, I wanted to talk about it. Like what makes people tick as far as procrastination. Why do we do it? So I looked up some stats. The first set of statistics that I got was from Study Mode, which is an education tech company that helps students succeed in school. And they did a study in 2014 where they took a test group of 1,300 high school students and college students. And from that test group, they said that 87% of those students procrastinate. 45% said procrastination negatively impacts their grades on at least a fairly regular basis. The biggest time management challenge for students, if you had to take a guess, what would you think? You're probably right. It was my weakest area. It's writing papers. I am so guilty of doing that. When I was in school, when I was in college, I graduated from uh, USC Upstate. And there were several times where I would wait until probably the last day, maybe two days. If I was ahead of the game, I, it was three days before it was due. Um, and I, I don't know why I would just let it sneak up on me. The study also said that uh, when asked whether they were most likely to procrastinate on a paper, studying for a test, or working on a group project, 53%, that's a little over half of all the high school students, and almost 70% of college students selected papers. So it looks like I was not alone. I was not the only person feeling this way. 51% of all students surveyed said that they're most likely to finish a paper the night before it's due. And 7% of those people said they're likely to need an extension which is crazy. Like I can count maybe on one hand times I've asked for an extension. I've just kind of like, okay, I'll submit it and see what happens. (laughs) But I don't think I ever turned it in intentionally late. I don't know. I just was just going to give the best that I could. So I guess I'm one of the group that says that procrastination negatively impacts my grades. I'm sure it did. Pretty sure it did. So it's very interesting. And then Kind of related to this, like, why do we procrastinate? This same study from Study Mode said that distractions are the most common reason for procrastination. Yeah, 48% of those students said that's why, while 40% say that they felt overwhelmed about the project or the paper, and they didn't know where to start. I can kind of relate to that, too, where it's like, do I understand what I'm really doing? (laughs) Um, And I I just psych myself out. Um, Here's another interesting stat. I'm sure everybody, if you're in college right now, you're probably saying, yep, I'm doing this. 79%. So that's eight, almost eight out of 10 college students that were surveyed said they have pulled at least one all nighter. Two thirds of those high school students, which is 66%, have done the same. 
I remember I actually started out college at Wofford College, and um, I pulled a technical, technically only one all-nighter. It was for a Western Civ class where you had like a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that you could write as much stuff on there for a cheat sheet as you could. And I was cramming everything on there. I think I finished at like five in the morning. My exam was at eight. So I fell asleep <laughs> and woke up maybe about six thirty, seven o'clock and then walked to class. And I remember being a zombie the whole day. I'm pretty sure I got maybe a B minus or a C plus on that exam, even with the cheat sheet. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. If you've pulled an all nighter, you know that the next day you are an absolute zombie. The next website I went to check out and just to see what was out there about uh, procrastination, I went to a website called verywellmind.com and the article was The Psychology of Procrastination. I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. So they have some um, interesting statements in here. So there's a couple things that we overestimate and a couple things that we underestimate. So they said that students tend to overestimate how much time they have left to perform tasks and they overestimate how motivated they will be in the future. And then on the flip side of that, they underestimate how long certain activities will take to complete. And then they mistakenly assume that they need to be in the right frame of mind to work on a project. I think I relate to that last statement the most, bar none. I think I must chase the muse of writing a paper about Great Gatsby. I don't know. It could have been anything. Um, I, I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not mentally ready to write this paper, which I think is a huge um, battleground for students that they think that they have to have it all together. None of that translate well to other areas of our lives that we think we need to have all our ducks in a row, all of our pieces in place for us to, to make a move or to do well on something. So interesting, that kind of correlates to other aspects of our life. So maybe we'll find some more information about that. In that same article, they said that self-doubt plays a major role in procrastination. It says being unsure of how to start can be a huge hurdle. I know I am guilty of that. For instance, this podcast, there were a lot of things that I did not know about when it came to putting a podcast um, available out there on Spotify and all these other things. There were so many different loops I had to jump through and things I had to thank you, YouTube. Thank you, Pat Flynn, by the way, um, who is the podcast host of Smart Passive Income. Um, Homeboy knows his stuff, and he has helped me out tremendously as far as uh, the podcast. Going back to the article from uh, The Psychology of Procrastination, there is a psychology professor at DePaul University in Chicago. His name is Joseph Ferrari. Yes, like the car. <laughs> Joseph Ferrari. He's the author of the book, Still Procrastinating, The No Regret Guide to Getting It Done. He says that 20% of U.S. adults are chronic procrastinators. And I'm like, chronic? That sounds awful. It sounds like a medical condition. Like seriously, and it he says that chronic procrastinators, they tend to pay bills late. They don't work on big projects until the night before. They delay holiday shopping until Christmas Eve. They file tax returns late. So that's interesting. Uh, he also says that by putting things off, you are placing a burden on the people around you. People who depend on you will eventually become resentful to your unreliability. 
that was super convicting to me when I when I read that. The fact that not only is procrastination negatively affecting me, it affects those around me in my realm of influence. So what does that mean as a leader? As a leader, if you procrastinate, that means that the people that you're leading are watching you and that they could also become resentful to you because either you're late with communicating details or you put off uh, a major work project or something that your boss, your big boss above you has given you a task and you've waited till the last minute to do it and you're stressed and that stress permeates to the rest of your team. So that was super convicting for me um, because I've been in situations where I've put some things um, on the back burner until it was almost too late and the people around me could sense my stress. And so put that in perspective, that procrastination, it can affect the team around you as well. So interesting that he says that. I looked up some uh, some scriptures of well, some stuff that um, could be related to procrastination in the Bible, um, particularly to this point that I was just talking about. Um, Proverbs 22.1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. And I liked this translation because um, this is the only one that I see that they put a verb like right in the beginning. Typically, this verse reads, um, a good name is better than riches or gold. And, and that it's just a fact. But I like this version because it says, choose. That means that is up to you if you're going to have a good name or not. You have to choose whether or not that you are going to ha- be a man or woman of character. If you're going to be a man or woman of your word and that you're going to be reliable and that you're not going to wait to the last minute to do things. So there are a thousand other reasons why us procrastinators do what we do, but they essentially can all boil down to one thing. We want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it. Ain't that the truth? We just want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And so that kind of leads me into my next little point of research. I am a fan of TED Talks. I really enjoy them. Uh, Some of them, they can be a little off the wall, but this one I loved. Okay. It's given by a man named Tim Urban and his talk, I love it, Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator. I love it. And he, he was super funny. And I love the way he explains certain things. He is very good at creating a word picture. And for me, I am very much a visual learner. And it helps me understand certain concepts. So what he did was he kind of had this little uh, diagram. And it shows um, a person's brain. And it's got a little stick man. And it's like he's holding onto the wheel of a ship and he labeled it normal human being. And it says rational decision maker steering the ship of our mind. And then he compared it to the mind of a procrastinator, which has the same person at the helm of the ship of your mind. But then there's a little creature right next to him called the instant gratification monkey. And when it comes to making important decisions, the instant gratification monkey comes into the picture and takes control of the ship of the mind, kicks the rational decision maker away, and he's off to the races. I love it. Uh, That was like 
oh my goodness, that's me. I'm letting the instant gratification monkey just take control of my brain. Um, He says the instant gratification monkey cares about two things, and everything has to be easy and it has to be fun. So in contrast, rational decision makers, they want to do things that make sense, that are logical. And then he kind of goes into this, this segment of talking about the dark playground. You like that? The dark playground where it's the fun and easy time where along comes anxiety, shame and guilt that comes with avoiding the important task at hand. And the individual that lives in the dark playground is known as as the panic monster. The panic monster wakes up when things get down to the wire, maybe like a deadline is approaching or a big project is, uh, is coming up and you haven't even started it. So the instant gratification mon- monkey is terrified of the panic monster. So it, when the monkey gets scared by the panic monster, the rational decision maker is able to take back control and make logical decisions, which explains so much. Like I have told people, I said, I work so much better under pressure. It's not even real. And the reason why is because I've been letting the monkey take control the whole time. And then the monkey goes into freakout mode the day before something's due. And, oh, the rational decision maker is coming right back in. And I thought that was super interesting of how that happens in our brains. He also talks about how there are two kinds of procrastination. There is short-term procrastination, which is procrastination that involves a deadline or a due date or something like that. And then there's long-term procrastination where, this is how he phrases it, the panic monster never shows up. It could be like starting your own business. For me, it was starting this podcast. It was an idea floating around in my head, but because it wasn't due, it was completely up to me. That's the kind of procrastination that gets a little scary. You have to be super self-disciplined. If you are wanting to start your own business, create your own brand, nobody's really there to push you along. It's completely up to you. It's up to you to essentially start from the ground up which like going back to that previous article, self-doubt plays a major role in procrastination. So maybe you've doubted yourself. And like, for me, when it came to this podcast, I was doubting, oh, could I really do this? Like, do people really want to hear me talk? And then I start having a pity party for myself. And you know what? It's something that I've always wanted to do. And I'm going to give it a shot. And if I fall flat on my face, so be it. But I'm having fun while doing this. So if you're struggling with something where you've had an idea or a desire rolling around in your head and your heart, I'm here to encourage you. You need to go for it. You need to do it. At least try. Consult others. Like I said, I I did some research before doing this podcast and trying to figure out what I needed in order to succeed. Don't just jump into something blindly. Don't let the monkey take over, but just learn. Set up a meeting with your mentor, and maybe they have some connections. Go for it. I challenge you to do that. I also found another YouTube video that talks more about the science behind procrastination. It was called Procrastination, Seven Steps to Cure. They mentioned this equation that was developed by Piers Steele. It's interesting. So food for thought. The equation goes as this. Motivation, which is the willingness to do work, equals Expectancy times value divided by impulsiveness times delay. I'll say that again. Motivation equals expectancy 
times value divided by impulsiveness times delay. So expectancy, that's how much you expect to succeed. Value is how much you enjoy doing a task and earning the reward. Impulsiveness, your tendency to get distracted by other things, i.e. social media, hello. Delay is the time lapse until you receive the reward. So naturally, if you decrease your impulsiveness, it will naturally increase your motivation. There's a lot of stuff that you could talk about with that. I know for sure for me, impulsiveness is my biggest distraction for sure. It is so easy for me to look at social media and to see what's going on in the world. I have a bad case of FOMO and I really have to be super mindful of that. So maybe that's your struggle. Maybe there's too much going around you. You're watching YouTube videos. I'm guilty of that as well. You get sucked into something and it could be pointless. It could be like nine different versions of how to do the polka. Like, I don't know. It could be anything. It's just a distraction, though. It's something to take your mind off the task at hand. I encourage you to take a social media sabbatical every once in a while. It will be amazing. The results you get by the decrease in anxiety, you won't be so just twitchy all the time. I did this recently. I had to delete them off my phone completely. And it was super refreshing. And it allowed me to focus on the things around me. And you know what, I was a little bit more productive during those days. So I strongly encourage if you are prone to being distracted by your phone, or TV, or Netflix, put it away. Like if you have to delete it off your phone, do it. Jesus kind of mentioned this, one of his teachings, if your eye causes you to sin, to pluck it out. I'm not saying that you need to like cut off your hand when you touch your phone. I'm not saying that, but he's saying, you know, something's going to cause you to stumble. You need to like cut it off then before it, it takes a hold of you. So keep that in mind that impulsiveness can t- get the best of you for sure. In this YouTube video, they um, write down, obviously, They're talking about the seven steps to cure procrastination. I don't know if it'll cure it, but for sure it will help it. Uh, First step, break down the steps. If you break it down, it will raise expectancy because you know exactly what you need to do, which is good. Number two is keep the task small. Keep the task small. So start on one small task. And once you complete it, that gives you a little bit of like, oh, I can do this. So it increases expectancy. And it's, like I said, it's easier to accomplish smaller tasks than to try to take on the big one. Number three, this is interesting, set the bar low. Set the bar lower than what you are actually capable of. And you will, in a way, self-motivate yourself. I, on the Enneagram, hello all my Enneagram people, um, I am a two wing three. That three comes out a lot. Um, (laughs) I try to be an overachiever. Um, I had a conversation with a friend recently where um, the two is known as the helper and they always just want to try and fix people. And I told her, I said, two wing three, their motto is I want to help you because I'm the best. (laughs) Um, And it's true. Like pride is is an issue of mine and I tend to be an overachiever just to show how, how good I am. So it's one of those things that if you, if you set the bar low for yourself, if you're not super competitive or very self-motivated, start with smaller goals. And then once you achieve that goal, that gives you just a little bit more confidence to say, oh, I can do more the next time. 
So keep that in mind. Number four, hack pleasure from the experience of studying. Give yourself a reward only after you have completed the task before you. So what does that look like? If you've got a paper due at the end of the week, and it's supposed to be five pages long, and it's Monday, set the goal for yourself. Say, okay, I'm going to write two pages. And when I write those two pages, I'm going to Starbucks and I'm going to get a mocha frappuccino and it's going to be great. That right there, you've just set a little goal for yourself and you're rewarding yourself for being productive. So it's like, you know, um, the illustration of a horse and they're dangling the carrot or the sugar cube or something in front of it. That's what you have to do with yourself. So that's number four. Number five. Use Parkinson's law to your advantage. What in the world is Parkinson's law? So basically that law says that work will expand to fill the time allotted to it. So what does that mean? If you have a task that takes 30 minutes for you to do and you give yourself two hours to do it, you will end up using the whole two hours to complete it. So what does that mean? You need to reverse that in a way. You need to set artificial deadlines for yourself, but don't get crazy. Okay, so always be mindful of trying to give yourself as much grace as possible. Okay, Um, you don't want to beat yourself up and be like, I don't want to be a procrastinator. No, you just need to be firm, but don't be super aggressive with those artificial deadlines. Number six, be deliberate with your study environment. One of the biggest killers to productivity, you guessed it, it's distractions. So distractions always increase impulsiveness. Okay. So we want to decrease that. You need to minimize digital distractions in particular. Okay. There's always been all these studies about blue light and the effects it has on your mind and the neurons in your brain and all that stuff. I don't know all the science behind that, but I know that it makes your mind go crazy and your eyes are like working overtime basically. So be super deliberate with where you are studying, where you're working, and it will help you with your productivity. And also understanding your personality type. Understanding yourself will help tailor the previous six reasons that I've mentioned specifically to you. So knowing how you click, how you operate is super important to how you'll be moving out of procrastination. So don't try to be something that you're not. Understanding who you are will help you realize where your weaknesses are. And that's a good thing. You need to know where your weaknesses are, just like you need to know where your strengths are. So that way you can work specifically on those areas. If you're just shooting at the dark of like, what's going to make me better? And you don't know exactly what you're working on, you're going to be kind of like a dog chasing its tail. You're not really going to get anywhere. You need to be specific and you need to be honest with yourself and taking a, a strong look at who you are as a person, what you suck at, and what you're really awesome at. I hope that these little nuggets of uh, research that I've uh, put some time into and have found out, I hope that it gets you thinking, more importantly, that you'll take some of these things and put it to practice. That's what this podcast is all about. It's about taking something that you've heard and putting it into practice through the lens of faith. And what does God say about that? A couple of things of scripture uh, about procrastination. I found a lot of stuff in Proverbs. And if you know the Bible, you know that Proverbs is all about wisdom. It was written by Solomon. He's got these like crazy one-liners that will make you just like really think. And so I I really appreciate Proverbs. Here's a couple. I, I chose these because 
procrastination, putting something off because you just want to do easy and fun things. That's kind of another way of saying you're lazy. So these uh, verses typically talk about laziness. So it's a little convicting. It hits me. And if it hits you, you know, that's, it's one of your weaknesses and that something that you need to address. So here we go. Proverbs 13, four says a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. What does that mean? That means you're never going to have enough if you're lazy, but if you are diligent and you know the desire in your heart, and you're going to be working towards that, you're going to be satisfied. Uh, Proverbs 19.15 says, Laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless go hungry. So, laziness, you like to kind of sleep on the job, essentially. Another passage of scripture that I found um, kind of relating to procrastination, and really more so like what we talked about earlier with being unreliable, was the parable of the talents. If you're not familiar with this, um, Jesus spoke and taught a lot through parables, which are basically stories with examples that, of truths that he was trying to get his point across. And this one was talking about a man who had called his servants to entrust him with his property. This man was going on a journey. And so he gave um, one servant five talents and talents is a form of uh, money. I can't remember the exact unit of measurement that is, but it's a significant amount. So he gave one of the servants five talents, another two talents, and another one. And it says to each according to his ability. So it's assuming that each of these servants was gifted in different ways. And so he went away and the one who had the five talents went away at once and he traded uh, with some merchants and he made five talents more. So he doubled what his master had given him. The servant with the two talents did the same thing, but the one who had received the one talent, he went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, it says the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. So he's like, okay, what'd you do with my money, essentially? And so the servant that had received the five talents, he came forward and says, master, you delivered to me five talents and here I've made you five more. And his master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, but I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he said the same thing to the servant who had the two talents and made two more talents. He said the exact same thing. And then he comes to the servant that uh, he gave the one talent to. And the servant said this, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he says, And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, that got real serious. <laughs> so what is he saying? What is Jesus trying to tell people? He calls that servant wicked and slothful, said, you didn't do anything with what I gave you. I gave you a significant 
amount of money, amount of worth, amount of value, and you did nothing with it to grow. You could have at least invested it and I could have reaped the interest off of that. So I'm going to cast you away from my site because you are lazy. You didn't do what you were supposed to. You put it off out of fear of failure. How does that respond to your life? Are there moments where you have, you know, you've been given a talent, you've get, been given a resource, and you're so afraid of fear of failure that you neglect to use it? You have been given those things for a reason. Nothing happens by chance. You were given a talent, a skill, a resource, an ability. Maybe it's not tangible. Maybe it's something like you're good at talking to people. Maybe you're good at encouraging people. Don't take that for granted. You've been given that. It's a gift. Now, how are you going to use that to reap a harvest? So I encourage you as young leaders or even older leaders that if you're neglecting the gift that you have, you got to use it or you lose it. Like take the example of the servant with the talents. He lost everything because he didn't use what he had. So I encourage you this week, this month to have in the back of your mind, okay, what have I been given and how can I use it now? Not later, not when I'm 21, not when I'm 35, not when I'm 50, not when I'm getting ready to retire. What can I do to reap a harvest for the Lord in your community What can I do now? The choice is up to you. Are you going to choose a good reputation over great riches? Are you going to choose to be held in high esteem or choose silver and gold? It's up to you. today's talk has really gotten you thinking and pondering about, hmm, is there something that I have been putting off for so long just because I'm afraid of what could happen? Or maybe you've been neglecting a gift that you know that God has given you for a reason and you just haven't been using it. Well, I hope that today in this episode that you have been encouraged to really take a stand and to be bold with your resources and with your gifts that you've been given. And um, maybe today is the moment that you're going to move forward in that goal or that thing that you've just been putting off. So this brings me into the challenge of the month. It's not so much of scheduling a meeting or anything like last month, but it's actually, I want you to write down this statement. I want you to either get out your phone either write down on a piece of paper. It's a fill in the blank statement. So here we go. I want you to write, the Lord has given me blank as a gift and I'm going to use it for him by blank. I'm going to say that again. The Lord has given me blank as a gift and I'm going to use it for him by blank. I hope that this fill in the blank sentence will get you thinking of like, okay, what has the Lord given to me that is special and specific to me? 
and how am I going to use it for him? And I hope that you will continue, whether this means writing it on your bathroom mirror or writing it on a post-it note or an index card and put it in your car. I want you to think about this and not just write something flippantly, but really think, what has the Lord given me that's a gift that I could be using for Him? So that is your challenge of the month. Think of yourself as that last servant in the parable of the talents. How are you going to use your talent? And if you don't know how you're going to use it, pray for clarity. The Lord is really good at opening your eyes to things if you ask Him. That's the key. You have to ask Him, and you have to ask Him with the right motive. It's not so much, Lord, reveal how good to me I am so I could feel better about myself. No, it's, Lord, reveal to me something that you've given to me so that I can give back to you. Okay? And I want to hear about this. I want you to write a comment. There's a post on our Instagram page and our Facebook page in regards to this particular challenge of the month. I want you to comment in there and write down your sentence. I would love to hear this because everybody's so unique. I would love to hear what the Lord has given you and how you can use it to give back. I really hope that you take this challenge like the bull by the horns, okay? I know you guys can do this, and I'm super excited for the responses that I'm going to get. All right, so what is going to be coming up next on the Lead to Lead podcast? Guys, we have our very first interview coming up. I am super excited to share this one with you because it's near and dear to my heart, to my husband's heart. You're going to be hearing from Pastor Jim Russell. He is a pastor at Brushy Creek Baptist Church, and he is the ministry leader for a program that me and my husband have been involved in for the past 10 years, and it's called Celebrate Recovery. It has literally changed our lives. And I would love to share with you what the Lord is doing in that particular ministry and how you can be delivered from any hurt, habit, or hang-up. The Lord is not surprised by anything that you may have done in your past, and I hope that you can be encouraged by the conversation that I have with Pastor Jim. Come expecting to hear the truth and to... Understand that none of us are exempt from any kind of struggle, but the problem is we tend to deal with the symptoms and not the root. So make sure you tune in next episode with my interview with Pastor Jim. We'll see you next time.